on maynard.com.au. Could you uh, say bunga bunga for us? Bunga. Bunga bunga. Roll up the shutters and pull down the shade. It's time for Bunga Bunga 45. Just two bungas is enough. With the amazing Tim Ferguson and the extraordinary Maynard Maynard. I'm feeling incomparable right now. What a show, Tim. It's great to be back here. You've been doing a lot and you're doing a lot. Who is he? How dare he come here? Let's get straight into Bunga Bunga News. With the sound of the coffee machine in the background, coming to you live from the Madame Fru-Fru Cafe, Maynard here on the scene. There's some hot guys in a fire truck that are going to pull up out the front and the women are going to pretend they're not looking at all. You'll never catch me alive, you filthy coppers. Firemen can't do that. Well, they're in... <laughs> they can carry you. They're in uniforms. Yeah, they actually can carry me, take me wherever they want to. What's Ferguson up to? What's the latest news? Your art exhibition went huge, as we'll be hearing later in the show. Yes, I've been doing more art, working on scripts, doing teaching round at the Australian Film, Television, Radio, Smoke Signals, Body Language School, going around the country. All Stars are taking a rest. We're taking a bit of a break, bit of a breather, but the sad old men of comedy will be back to smash the world. Because your beautiful wife, Stephanie, it's the first time she's seen you in three years. It certainly is. By <laughs> gosh, she's good looking. You'd almost forgotten. Oh, man, sometimes... When people think, you know, going on a comedy tour would be nothing but comedy. No, there's only a couple of hours of comedy per day when you're doing the show. The rest is just grind and bad, bad food. Someone who's been living large on your reputation is your cat Kittler. There's been some surgery in Kittler's life. A complete recovery is the rumour. Yeah, a complete recovery. That will help him because he's making some political moves in the neighbourhood as far as the other cats are concerned. Is he finally getting his own Sky News show? He's almost getting the Sky News show, but they've got a couple of road humps in the contract. Of course, he has to host with a current Australian politician, so who do you think would be the best co-host for Kittler's show on Sky News? Obviously, Barnaby Joyce, because Barnaby Joyce can provide the clown to Kittler's meowing. And it's always good to have someone with very stern politics like Kittler flanked by a man who is now really a laughing stock. Could be worse. Whenever there's something about the Nazis on television, I let you know, Tim, so we can have a look because we were both equally shocked at the Hitler was a junkie special that was on last year. But last night, they were claiming the Nazis had a three-mile-wide mirror that they were going to send into space to use as a weapon during the Second World War. Orbiting 5,100 miles above the Earth, Adolf Hitler's superweapon incinerates armies and cities within minutes. You've got a scientist, a mad Nazi scientist, who's got an exciting idea. Fact or fantasy? This was before anyone had even been into space, Tim. We have on the scene here right now Richard Saunders, our sceptic. How real do you think this possibility would have been, our science correspondent? Richard Saunders. Of course it's real. I saw it in a movie called Iron Sky. Richard does all his sceptical research at the cinema. After seeing Transformers, we couldn't shut him up for a week. Did you actually watch the special, Tim, or you were too busy? I was flat out watching it. I always make time for idiots. Nazis with mirrors in space. Three mile wide mirror in space. The fact is, the Nazis did have mirrors, but they preferred to be standing in front of them, checking out their uniforms. Bastards. Springtime for a hip Open the crank mail, shall we? Let's open the crank mail. Crank mail, crank mail, crank mail. 
Tim, I believe there's some sort of animal urinating at the end of that. The Who are these podcast podcast people them. said that it was a horse having a piddle. And of course, it's not true. Clearly, no horse could have such an abrupt gush. What you need is the Australian bandicoot. Listen to that bandicoot coat. And it's empty. We would like to congratulate who are these podcasts on their 100th show. In fact, if you haven't heard it, we actually made a special mini episode of Bunga Bunga a couple of weeks ago to celebrate them and their fawning praise they gave us and to celebrate their 100th show. We thought we'd get one more suck out of the ketchup bottle by sending them this. Meanwhile, in a local Sydney hospital... And it will cure my multiple sclerosis immediately? Oh, my God, that's amazing. Let's do it now. Tim, Tim, Tim. What, what, what? What are you doing? I was just about to get some life-saving medicine for my multiple sclerosis. We haven't got time for that. Two guys that abuse us in America are having 100 shows, 98 of which were good. Wow! Forget about this medical saviour. Keep your medicine, nerd. We would like to thank Who Are You Podcasts for their amazing show. And how many listeners have they got, Tim? They've got 12 million listeners. I mean, our podcast was just limping along and then we got this extraordinary review from Who Are These Podcasts and our numbers have now jumped tenfold. Just listen to this ringing endorsement from Who Are These Podcasts. So I have no idea what's going on. This is so overproduced. I'd never heard that before because I didn't actually listen to the review. And this! Here's what I wrote down. This is the first time I've listened to hours of a podcast and I have no idea if I like it or not. That bit I heard, but I took it to mean something entirely different. Did they really have to suck up to us by saying this? That's the randomness and nonsense of this show. It's like, okay, here's our email segment and there's a horse pissing. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. Look, if you have a problem with who are these podcasts, it's because maybe they've given your podcast a review and they didn't like it because you're a crybaby. And you got butthurt. Hang on, didn't I tell them to get fucked? No, that was Prince Philip you told to get (laughs) fucked. Boy, I told him and he stayed told. They didn't like the pissing horse and I've gone off and I've got to say as a sound effect, I mean, have a listen. It's more important that we thank Who Are These Podcasts on 100 shows. Good on you, Who Are These Podcasts? And you may well ask, Who Are These Who Are These Podcasts? Podcasts. But on behalf of everyone in Australia, and I do speak for all of us, don't we, Tim? Oh, totally. We would like to tell you to get get fucked. fucked in a nice way. And they were obviously thrilled. And as we said, in a nice way. In a nice way, and if you are going to get fucked, make sure that's the way you do it. Frank Mail! It's a welcome back telegram. It's come in. It's from Tony Push, and he writes, As if life were a cardboard maze, Bunga Bunga walks through that cardboard maze to truth, meaning, and the other side of the underwear. I think we're being accused of bringing clarity to things, Maynard. I should be offended by that. This show is all about generalisations and obfuscations. Frank Mail! Oliver Udall... Oliver Yudel too, thank you. Wants to know, what are your specialty karaoke songs? Well, I've only done karaoke once in my entire life. I'm Too Sexy. Did it William Shatner style. I'm too sexy for my cat. Too sexy for my cat. What's yours, Tim? Gotta say, Rhinestone Cowboy. (laughs) That's right. Rhinestone Cowboy by Glenn Campbell. 
It's slow, so you can be as drunk as you want. The words move slowly, but it's got a good message. So remember, Tim can actually sing, so there's a chance it might come out all right. I've been walking these streets alone. And you can sway between the lines. Singing the same old song. And you can lean against something, have another drink. There's plenty of time. I thought you would have gone for Bonaparte's Retreat as far as a Glen Campbell song goes. It's got bagpipes. It's almost You Are The Voice. Here's to all everybody played the Bonaparte's Retreat. Everybody Yeah, it's got a lot of power too. But nobody claps along. It's like saying I'd now like to sing American Pie. A couple of songs that as soon as you know they're doing karaoke, Living on a Prayer, when you hear that. Leave the venue when Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. Leave the venue because all of them are long, and unless you are Bon Jovi, don't do Living on a Prayer. Yeah, it's like the American national anthem. You've got to be careful about what note it starts on because you've got a long way up to go. Crank mail! Kath Reed has written How long before Kittler? is named in the FBI investigation into Trump's collusion with Russia. He can't make any comments. We all know what went down. And that closes up the crank mail. Crank mail. Tim, we didn't even make the shortlist for the Australian Podcasting Awards this year. Well, it must have been a very short list. But mind you, we won it last year. I don't think we need to throw our weight around. Are you sure we entered? I have looked in the short list, and one of the sections has a podcast I know you're a huge fan of, the ANZ Bank Weekly podcast. That is fucking out of line. That is an amazing podcast. It's extraordinary. The ANZ logo. Those three familiar blue blobs and just blue things generally. And it's from the ANZ Bank. Are they seriously one of the runners-up to this? Well, it's in the branded podcast section. So to be fair, you know what you're getting when you tune into the ANZ Bank Weekly. But have a listen to this. The ANZ logo. It's on the screens, on posters. It's everywhere. I think they're pushing the envelope. I think they are. Good on them. I hope they're going okay. Poor banks never get anything. Well, the thing is, with the banking inquiry, I thought they might have been nominated in the true crime section. I hate you! I hate you more! There is this investigation going on about the banks, but they're just hoping they run out of money. Tim, something that might affect you if it comes into effect here in Australia is the ratings of films has been the MPAA, which I think it stands for Many People Annoying America, have actually put out a new rating that if you have smoking in your movie, even if it's an oldie timey, you know, going way back to the beginning of history, like 1950 or something like that. But if you have historical smoking in your movie, it immediately gets a PG-13 rating. How do you feel about this, Tim? Honestly, I think everybody knows smoking's bad for you. (laughs) The real danger these days, and everybody knows it, as far as productivity in the workplace goes, is wanking. A lot of the metaphorical wanking goes on in just about every movie you see. A lot of French movies particularly. So I don't think just because someone was puffing in a black and white old movie that we have to start limiting young people from seeing that thing. They'll make their own choices anywhere. As soon as you tell a teenager not to watch something, they will watch that thing and do everything that's happening on the screen. Has anyone come up with an answer to what the movie I've Heard the Mermaid Singing is about? Canadian film. 
about Canadian film. That's like talking about Canadian military stories. Nobody's interested, Maynard. Here's a quick question and one you might like to try on the kids at school. What was the name of the test pilot to fly the first English interceptor, the Lightning? What was the name of the test pilot who flew the first sortie in that? Roger Ramjet. Tim Ferguson. Tim Ferguson, was really? the name of the test pilot. I seem to remember... The photo they used to illustrate his test flight, he was flying it upside down. And that's very Ferguson and very Roger Ramjet when you think about it. It's the best way to test them. It's like with 747s. I want to see the thing flying upside down before I get on board. Do you realise that if Roger Ramjet was being shown today, they'd be complaining about the chicken in his exhaust jet pipe? They'd be going, think of the chicken. The person who created Roger Ramjet only died a couple of weeks ago as well. If you're wondering who is Roger Ramjet, that's because you're having a terrible youth and that's why you're miserable. Splendid, Ramjet. Take a close look at the map. Does this mean that those arch fiends, the no-goods, have a machine that's destroying our cities? No, it means those archfiends, the no-goods, have a machine that's destroying our tiny little light bulb. That means every refrigerator in the country will be dark. No one will know what to eat. Exactly. Now, what's your plan? I plan to find that diabolical machine before it's too late. Good luck, Rock. Check out Roger Ramjet. And if you're looking for booing... There's that kid again. I was about to say, like, his booing's okay, but if you want championship booing, you really go to the Roger Ramjet. They could do a boo. We have a holiday. We went away. I thought the kid would have grown up by now. And you think, oh, we'll quietly run across the road to Madame Fruvig. We've got something to tell you, so please don't give it a miss. We're going to tell you what's on our mind. What we really want to say is this. Well, thank you. Speaking of high art and misdemeanours... That's us. It's time to visit your art exhibition, which was on a couple of months ago at a discreet little gallery at a time that almost no one could make it, but there was hundreds of people crowded in there drinking white wine heavily. They were. I guess they needed that so that they could make sense of the art. It was great to have such a big crowd. It was very exciting. I've never had an art exhibition before. Everybody, all Australians, should each have an art exhibition. We're going to hear voices of Bunga Bunga fans, Doug Anthony fans, Tim Ferguson fans. The Enigma himself was there. What did actually Paul Livingston say privately to you about your work? Oh, he doesn't talk to me. I've no idea whether he liked it or not. He's the Enigma. But he turned up. That really got people talking. Your mum was there. I spoke to a lot of people asking them what the hell we were doing there. Let's go magically now to Tim's art exhibition. <laughs> I'm just walking across to 78 Campbell Street where, of course, we've got the amazing Tim Ferguson doing his exhibit for the first time in his life. This will be life-changing for him. Just listen to the hubbub as I stick the microphone inside. That is what we call a hubbub going on there. And, of course, over here we have someone who's incredibly sceptical, Richard Saunders. How are you, man? I'm well, Maynard, but I'm not sceptical today. So are we looking at something that pitches the insight into the very meaning of mankind or just a whole bunch of people drinking cheap cask wine? Look, look, look. I was looking at some of the pictures in there just a little while ago, and somebody made the comment to me, probably that guy on the motorbike, that a lot of his artwork looks like the crowd looking back at you that you would see from the stage. And I looked at it and thought, yeah, that's right. It's really interesting. Catherine, as an American, do you get the whole thing? To me, it looks more like he's saying something in a secret language that none of us can figure out. Best I go and have a drink then. And here's the hubbub starting up again as I wander in. Just feel that hubbub. 
Hello. I'll have a white wine, thank you. Yeah, of course. Now, what are they mainly drinking? Are these uh, really fussy people or will they drink Terps, these people? Uh, mostly going for the beers. They're a beer crowd. I sure thought so. So here's a bit of an insight into what you do in these kind of things. You kind of hang around in the background, see some people, find an interesting crowd, and then you go and have a chat to them. I've got my glass of white wine. So you heard there were beer people here, really. And uh, looking around, they uh, don't look like a beer crowd, but here's a guy. Now, what do you make of Tim's artwork, sir? Oh, they're like the modern-day hieroglyphs. I I look at them and I see a a hint of language, something I can't quite decipher. And I feel like if I looked at it longer, then I would be able to tell what his meaning is. So where would be Tim's Rosetta Stone? I mean, the French wouldn't bloody have it. Well, unfortunately, I think we're finding his Rosetta Stone inside his head at the moment. I like that. I like that. Now, what did you purchase and why? <laughs> I purchased um, Stewie, the security guard, and the Enigma. Do you think it's a sensible thing for her to be purchasing Tim's artwork? I am her personal advisor, so yes, go for it. Do either of you have an arts degree? Yes, I do. I have a Bachelor of Arts in Graphic Design, and I am an artist. Yet I you have... let her buy it. I am an artist, therefore I know art, darling. <laughs> what do you make of Tim's colours? The way he sort of does a black and white thing, and then he does the colours over the top. What do you make of that as someone who's studied it. Being a graphic designer, I do like the simplicity and colour choice, but I do prefer the black and white portraits. Do you think he actually fulfills the criteria of outsider art? No, I'm sorry, he's within. He had an expression, he needed to get that out, he's made it today. Where are you going to put your, uh, when you get it home? Up on the lounge room wall. Are you beer or wine drinkers, by the way? I've had a beer, she's had a wine. Over here we have Tony Push, a man who always sweats a lot. What do you make of Tim's artwork? Tim's artwork is reminiscent of a lot of what we see in humanity today. The struggle to understand even the tiniest little scratchings of life itself seem to be able to be mapped, placed into 25 by 30 centimetre blocks and put on the wall. You can make money out of You can also make money out of not understanding stuff, which more and more these days I think is a positive plus. You have fun, Tony. Lovely to see you. He's obviously got a lot of time on his hands. Has it? It's funny, he's in a wheelchair. He could have put them lower, couldn't he? Is there one that's your favourite? Fan of the Glee Point Road one. That could be everything that goes on at Glee Point Road, you're right. And you've been drinking beer or wine today? Oh, I'm on the water. Ah. <laughs> well, and For a change. You know what that means, people. Yeah. It's Mr Chips already, Pete Young. This is, oh, and there's Tim's mother. My goodness me. It's all happening here, really. We need to reveal to the Bunga Bunga and the audience that I'm doing a gig. Where, when, and how do people get into it? We're going to be having a school disco set in the year 2000. Why not? It's going to be on the 19th of May at the Orange X Services Club, for those of you out our way. And Maynard's going to be emceeing. I'm looking forward to doing the whole evening. Now, what is the website people need to go and find out? oesc.com.au. And what's your favourite artwork of Tim's? Uh, just that little one there with Ooh. the red and white. I like well, it. Get to that website and find out what's going on. So there are a few people here. We've seen Richard Feidler, of course. Of course, Richard Feidler actually has a job, so he doesn't need to do this kind of art thing. We've got Richard Feidler. Hi, Richard. How are you? Hello, Maynard. I'm ready to buy some art. I like it, art. You are moving to Sydney, is that correct? I'm here already. Wow. That's right. My rent went up by 10 bucks. That means you must be in the inner west somewhere. Yes, yes. It's true, Maynard. I'm sorry. It's true. Isn't that obvious? Do I, does it look on my face? Is that it? You've come from 
from Brisbane, just quickly, what do you reckon is the first thing that really hit you about being in Sydney and being in Brisbane? What's the thing about? Oh, the sweatiness. No, it wasn't that, because Brisbane's pretty sweaty as well. It's the scale of it, isn't it? It's the scale of things. It's the monumental quality of it. I was going down a side street in Balmain the other day and saw the big towers of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and they looked like Babylonian ziggurats. The kind of ancientness of Sydney, I suppose, the size and scale of it. It's lovely. Sydney is full of arseholes, but unfortunately, yeah. it's arseholes with money. Yeah, that's right. Lots of arseholes in Sydney. I'm proud to have joined their ranks, Maynard. Touch that they've welcomed me back. Have you ever done the artwork, by the way, Richard? Come on, Maynard. We want to make a sale. Okay. So what would you make of Tim's artwork? Well, I'm about to make an announcement that he's become an artist. Do you think we can call him outsider art? I think any term as an outsider is probably a plus for someone. What's your favourite artwork on the wall of Tim's? Oh, the one I just bought. What the? You bought one? Fist me. The one I liked was already sold. The one I liked was number eight, which is called Oscar's Nemesis. Ah, now you know what that's all about, don't you? No, I thought it might be modelled on Kittler. Oscar is the real name of Tim's cat, so it's basically all the cats in the neighbourhood that would be annoying to Oscar. I didn't get that one. So instead I bought Demyelination 2. And where are you going to put that? On my wall at work. What do you make of Tim's artwork? How would you describe it, sir? It's too profound for me. If Tim's artwork was an animal, what would it be? An audience. I've actually not considered this before, but standing on stage looking into an audience yeah, with right. all of those dangerous animals. They do look like that. You're correct. So I'm just moving in on Tim. Have you been chatting to Tim, have you? Yes. How has he been? Is he a bit shirty? Is he accomplished? He's a deeply passionate and complex artist. You can't even look at him anymore because he's that... He's you've, uh, you've obviously dated some members of the church, haven't you, in your time? <laughs> That's a, a very descriptive of people who are very serious about their artwork. He is serious about his artwork. So what question should I ask Tim? I think you would ask, what were you watching on TV when you did most of these? I can answer that. Sky News, as he likes to say. It's like Fox News, but without the content. It's great to be offered drugs again, isn't it, Tim? Oh, look, I've never drunk so much quality wine or <laughs> eaten so much cheese and had an excuse. So what word do you think he will use in the speech? Salubrious. Hello, everyone. You don't have to be very quiet if you want to hear the response from the artist. That's the question we have to ask. Is he an artist? And I think that Tim has got a huge injection of adrenaline just in terms of the validation of something that could potentially be very scary. We all know him for being a lecturer, being a teacher, and we all know him for the coffees that he drinks in Glee Point Road. But no one, no one has ever seen his artwork on the walls before. The whole idea of doing drawings has been, just in the last few years, where I've taken more seriously doing pictures for fans of the All-Stars, of things that they might like, and I sort of started practising and turning out a lot of stuff. In the UK recently, like, people are fighting. I would just draw a picture and throw it out, and there would be fights, <laughs> and, and people afterwards say, can you do another one? Hopefully, you know, if you have it on the wall, there'll always be something new that you can look at every time you look at it to say, wow, and I thought that was a mouth. But the main thing is to spread a bit of joy through ugliness. Thank you so much, and thank you for foolishly buying my art. You are all artists. <laughs> I'm just about to zoom in on uh, Paul Livingston. Is it okay if I move in on Mr. Livingston? You've done your... Okay, cool. I'm moving in. Remember, whenever you ask Paul anything, usually the first thing he says is no. Mr. Livingston, how are you? How are you, man? Good to see you. As the other one of the three that does some artwork, what do you make of Tim's work, Mr. Livingston? 
when you put it up on a wall like this, it actually looks like art. Whereas when you see him in his underpants at home doing the same thing, you would swear it's not. What would you call his style? I've been calling it outsider art. What would you call it? I'd call it manic expansionism. Wow. Does that sound like an art movement? What's your favourite one of all of them? I'm all for the primaries. I like the red, white, white and blue ones because they're very patriotic. He's got a nervous line and a good eye for ugly people, so I can relate to that. They all kind of look like me. You had an art exhibit only about a year ago, didn't you? Yes, I did, but mine was real art. Yeah, yeah, yours was real stuff. You can laugh at this. I mean, that can't be art, surely. It's entertaining people. That's not art. Art is not entertainment, and I'm angry at this exhibition. What's it like to have your art exhibited on a wall for all to see? How does that feel? It's actually very terrifying, because if you're on stage performing, you're in the moment doing it. Whereas standing there watching other people, it's an out-of-body experience and you're looking for their expressions on their face. So it's actually high anxiety all the way through. It's actually terrifying. I don't like it. How do you have to drive yourself to do an exhibit? It's easy enough to do the painting. You have to drive yourself to go to the opening, Ah. and that takes a a hell of a lot of alcohol and drugs. I've had a great chat with McDermott, and he is very anti-selling any of his art because he doesn't believe in selling his art. How do you feel about that position he takes? Well, with all the money he's got, he doesn't have to sell anything. The rest of us, we have to work. Not many of us could have a downstairs studio where we just paint around all day. Yes, that's correct. He has an entire apartment to himself under his house that he calls a studio. I don't have that. I have a desk, a bed and a kitchen and it's three steps either way to each of those things. Oh, and is the electricity back on again, by the way? I use fire. It's a little oh, campfire good. in the middle. It's very cosy. I also believe you actually enjoy having a senior's card. I love having a senior's moment, a senior's card. I have everything. I'm totally embracing the older man. I looked like a 60-year-old when I was 20. I'm just embracing the whole thing. I'm Sorry. a single, I'm a solo traveller. Let's just give a shout. Single people. Yeah, it's kind of cool because you kind of wake up in the morning and go, okay, what do I do? And there's nothing really expected of you. No, you can be in your own home and do whatever you like, as long as there's not a camera on, because I don't want people to know what I do in my home on my own. Also, you probably wouldn't want a HomePod or a Alexa or anything like this, would you? A bugging device. Well, I'm a senior. I'm frightened of the modern world. Has this inspired you to go do another exhibit? I know it's very terrifying for you, but will you? I will have another exhibit, but this isn't inspiring me at all. It's entertaining and funny. I'll be doing the serious work. At an art gallery opening, there's normally a few people outside just freewheeling and chatting to themselves. Kim. Kim. So nice to see you. Um, last time I saw you, I think, might have actually been your, your wedding reception. Oh, good grief. In me. Melbourne. What do you make, as someone who's a little bit removed from the whole thing of the Doug Anthony's, what do you make of them? This is a great move for Ferg. I really love the art. This is him on the wall. That's actually him. We bought number six. That was my favourite one. We're going to put it. Oh, somewhere in the hallway. Have you actually got any McDermott art at home? Because he doesn't give his stuff away easily either. I actually do. So maybe I should put it next to the McDermott. Does Richard do any painting at all? Yeah, he's done drawings and things like that, but he wouldn't call it commercially viable. So maybe I should put them like one, two, three on the hallway. (laughs) You bought Tim's artwork. What's that one? The hospital waiting room, I believe. (laughs) And you work in a hospital. That's right. It's going in the office. Mrs. Ferguson here, Tim's mother. Hello, Hello, how are you? Fine, I've got to get out of here. It's too hot. So I don't blame you. I will follow you. Are you proud of your son doing yet another media? Conquering? What I'll do is I'll get everyone out of the way. Coming through, coming through. Mrs. Ferguson, coming through. Well, well. Me, Maynard, hi, Cynthia. How are you? I didn't realise that was what you were doing. I don't know what I'm doing as well. How do you feel with your son putting art on the wall? Just I'm the proudest mother that ever was born. Is there one on the wall you go, that's the best one? Oh.
I like the one I got. I think he was probably a two-year-old when he did them. Are those down the end? Just drawings. Where did this DNA come from? No idea. Certainly not a Ferguson thing. Lovely to see you again. Someone's just made a very interesting observation. I feel like I'm in a room with a whole lot of people I've grown up with but never met until today. Like Bill the Steam Shovel, that sort of thing. Actually, it was like Maynard, Jean Kitson, Tim and Richard Feidler. There are so many people here. So did you compare wheelchairs with Tim? Is yours better? I think mine looks a little bit faster. That's his proper one when he goes out. And I know that when I push him around in that, it's a lot more trouble. That one looks pretty clunky. You cannot be impatient when you're doing things with a disabled taxi. If people are bipping or whatever, you just completely ignore them. Or you just look and smile and then go even slower. You know, you learn to smile and be diplomatic. And what is it? The whole thing is smile. No one ever knows what you're really thinking. There's almost nothing left on the wall. And all the stuff that's on the wall has a red dot. Do you have a website or a place we can see you where you do your thing? DaisyCopas.com. Oh, you've got one of the big ones. This is called Party, Party, Party. Has anyone described Tim's art? I've been calling it outsider art because if you go to Wikipedia, he fulfills every single thing about outsider art except he's not dead. But as Tim likes to point out, you never know. (laughs) It's hectic and manic and passionate, I would call it. It's really interesting. It's almost like language. You look at it and you think, actually, it's words when I first look at it. And you're always trying to find the language in it. On behalf of all Australians, I would like to congratulate and thank you for when the big gig was the flagship show of the ABC and not Q&A. Because, yeah. frankly, Q&A really ran out of stuff about two years ago where you had comedy all the way through. Thank you. Bring back the big gig, really. You just enjoyed every moment of it. Weren't the Doug Anthony's a bit of a trouble, but you'd have to come on and do some very smart, clever wordplay, and they'd be doing I Fuck I know, they really brought the tone of the show down, I have to say. There was this constant struggle between something with a bit of thought and the Doug Anthony, so we just always lowered the tone. We encounter you online or your work online anywhere at all? No, not really. I'm shocking like that. Tim's having a chat. He's being chatted up once again, isn't it? We're all wankers. So many people here, so much stuff going on. There's been a lot of people just wanting your time. It's been great. I get to meet all these people. A lot of people I'd never met before. I don't know how they found out we were doing this thing. Jean Kitson looks fantastic and she was really into it. She bought some work. Jean Kitson, everybody loves Jean. By the way, Tim, there's a wheelchair up there that's actually better than yours. You should lift your game. Stacey has a better wheelchair than you. Yeah, well, you know, Stacey, she wrote a book about being inspiring. Well, how am I supposed to keep up with that? How's that supposed to make me feel? Well, there she's there. Exactly. No, you nod and pretend you just hadn't said what you just said. Yep. She's a monster. What do you got planned after this, Tim? After a gig, there's like a high and a low. What happens after an art exhibition? I just do more art. Clearly, people seem to like it, and I like drawing it. I'll get onto it and try and make some more pictures. Now it's back to Bunga Bunga 45. You want to uh, throw to something, Tim? Yeah, do anything, but we're not going to hear the rest of this song. I tell you what I predict is a bloody great punch up the... Because there was that song that was a list of artists as well. I think Endless Art was the name of it. Henry Miller, Sid Vicious, only 21. Brian Jones, Otis Redding, 1941 from 1967. R.I.P. All dead, yet still alive. In endless time. Endless art. 
A list song. You always enjoyed a list song. Did the Doug Anthony's or you ever do a list song? No, we never did a list song. There's that porn one. You do a list of porn things. That's true. It's a long, long list of porn titles, which is worth listening to if you think you're getting behind in all the things that are hot in porn right now. And Melbourne Comedy Festival has just concluded. Did you hear the word about who was the one that sort of really popped up? Stephanie Tisdell, a comedian from a little place called Brisbane, somewhere in Australia. Nobody knows where that is. Hysterically funny, very brave and very strong performer. I've met Stephanie and I thought straight away this person is going to take over comedy and it looks like Stephanie Tisdell did. The surname is T-I-S-D-E-L. Check her out. Very funny lady. And of course, if you do want to find out what's going on in the world of Alice R. Fraser, I recommend another great podcast to have a listen to. She's always talking to interesting comics around the world and the podcast is Tea with Alice. You know, there there was these tips on being sexy. Uh, Touching people is sexy. Touching someone in the arm is sexy because it proves that you're not imaginary. (laughs) And isn't that the sexiest thing of all? Another great comic doing the rounds in Australia is Angela Green. Again, I think she's from the far, far north of Australia. It seems to be producing some really interesting comedy. I think it's because they have venues there and comedy starts in the venues where people can be bad. After you've been bad, you start to get better. Angela Green, keep an eye open for her. She'll be taking over shortly after Stephanie Tisdell. Anne Edmonds. If you haven't seen Anne Edmonds, I predicted Anne Edmonds seven years ago would be the person who would be the name du jour and she has been for the last three Melbourne festivals. Make sure you go see Anne Edmonds. Anyone here with their parents tonight? Losers. (laughs) Now you've walked into that, admit it. My parents, they're very good people, although my dad did get arrested last year. Not for the drug mulling, they haven't got him for that yet. Stop being an idiot and just go and see her. Fiona Scott Norman had a show at the recent Melbourne Comedy Festival called The Aspie Hour. Wow, Fiona used to be a comedy critic, but she wised up because I said to her, Fiona, don't. And she stopped, I think, and is now a comedian because I said, you might as well be one of the foxes. Why do you want to be one of the hounds? Why do you want to be sitting on the wall teetering backwards and forwards like Humpty Dumpty? Fiona Scott Norman is another comedian to check out. You may notice that I've only mentioned female comedians. This is because male comedians are just so 90s. Come on, I've got a good word to say for Lawrence Leong's latest show, The Man Who Stopped for a Sandwich. Of course, that show is brilliant. I'll let that one go past, but all the other male comedians, all of them, are just so 90s, except for the Doug Anthony All-Stars, because we're so 80s. Bunga bunga! On the latest episode of What Double J Should Sound Like, episode 198, check it out on Mixcloud and on their own Facebook page, links in the show notes. They opened the show with a track from Boris B, which is a lounge northern soul version of justified and ancient by the klf you've been described as that many times tim yeah what a great track time for tim's historical hypothetical where we put Tim Ferguson into a place in time and ask him, what would you have done, smart-ass? This week's historical hypothetical 
comes from Grant McCarran. Do you feel up for this? I feel totally overwhelmed by doing this one because Mr McCarran has always thrown nothing but curly balls. Tim, the year 1783. Oh, that's a tough one. It's not one I'm very strong on. The place, Paris. Hello, everyone. I like Paris. I think it's going to come out pretty well out of the Frenchness once the French are all moved out. Would Tim join the Mongolfiers for the first balloon flight ever? Not the one with the chicken and the goat they sent up. The first human flight. What was that? Would you be the first human to go up with the Mongolfia brothers in a hot air balloon, Tim? I certainly would. Why would you ever want to stay on the ground? You just knew that eventually it would come back down. Would you survive? Well, who cares? Because you could say, at least I died in the first hot air balloon. What would you take with you to chuck at the people while you're up there? You know, it's the first balloon. It's not like they can come up and get you. I would take an iPhone. I know it would be time inappropriate. Yeah, chuck an iPhone down saying, yeah, how heavy is it now? There goes Tim with the Montgolfier brothers into the distance in Tim's historical hypothetical answering that question. What would you have done, smartass? Tim, I guess you've been constantly locked watching the Commonwealth Games as I have. Have they started? When I heard that there's no ribbon and stick event, I lost all interest. Get real, Maynard. The, What's the ribbon and stick? Commonwealth Games was four years ago. Oh, I wouldn't right. be holding my breath over that. Everybody saw it four years ago. I assume the Commonwealth Games are coming up fairly soon. How long's it been? If there's no ribbon and stick, you don't get my interest because that's the only one I can do. You get a little drawing pin and put it on the end of a stick with a colourful ribbon and you run around the front yard pretending you're in the uh, games. That's good. The best thing about the Commonwealth Games and how we'll know that they've happened is that the faces on our Uncle Toby's promotions will change. We'll see new swimmers, new runners, new people with colourful ribbons running behind them. Another podcast which has nothing to do with sport, which is why I listen to it, is the Friendly Fire podcast. Three American guys who get together and talk specifically about war movies in a pretty interesting and entertaining kind of way. The hand that Tanya puts down Vasily's trousers has clear, shiny varnish on the nails. Possible in 1942 because it was invented by Michel Maynard in the early 1920s, but unlikely to be used by a Russian soldier in Stalingrad. Can we be sure she just didn't have naturally shiny nails? And it's clear that they can give hand jobs just as good as a man. <laughs> they did highlight Don Rickles' first appearance on film, which was in Run Silent, Run Deep, and he's doing some real googly eye action and some quite good acting. And I'm hoping they can do Kelly's Heroes because he's great in that. There is a bit of a tradition of comedians in war movies, isn't there? Oh, yeah, you need a comedian in a war movie. The great thing about comic actors is drama is easy. If you can make us laugh, like Jack Lemon or Jim Carrey, when someone says it's time to make The Truman Show, doing drama is a walk in the park. Time for Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question nobody asked. Don't expect too much. Tim Ferguson. People say there's a line, you know, there's a line. Don't cross that line. Ooh, you know, George Carlin said it's a comedian's job to find out exactly where the line is it and step over it immediately. There are a lot of people who spend their entire lives living on this side of the line, but not Drake. Drake's song, God's Plan, stepped over the line. To a lot of people, it stepped over the line because why would anybody even suggest that they even understood what God's plan is? God, the creator of heaven 
and Earth and Pauline Hanson and Chico Rolls and that weird thing on the end of your nose that you just can't seem to get rid of. God, the creator of everything from hair tonic to pimples to those weird little Pekingese dogs. What are they for? How do they hunt in the forest? Why were they the carnivores? You know what I'm talking about. But Drake has gone too far. I hereby applaud Drake's effort of explaining God's plan, of wondering at God's plan and treading on all those toes. Let's have a listen. That was Tim Ferguson speaking in the negative against evolution. Tim's right of reply to a question nobody asked. Don't expect too much. Powerful be thy name, Ferguson. Well, when you see it, you've got to call it. That's a wrap for Bunga Bunga 45. Join us for Bunga Bunga 46. Of course, if you'd like to be a Patreon of the show, and every Patreon can listen to their very own show called Patreon Pandering, which is a monthly show only available to current Patreons. So if you want to get in on that show, join us at patreon.com slash Maynard. Get in on that. Tim, one last word from you. Obstreperous. Use it in conversation today. You'll feel happier. It's Bunga Bunga for me. This theme deals with the subject that he bothers by himself. And it's Bunga Bunga from him. Bunga Bunga.
if that made sense to you, you'll be able to follow Maynard's very simple instructions. What? <laughs> On maynard.com.au. AU! Bryson and Hugh. Everything digital.